0: Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, my guest is Tom Luongo, host of the Gold, Goats, and Guns podcast and blog, where he combines his in-depth geopolitical analysis with his analysis of financial markets and how those two things interact. Today, he's here to talk about what's going on with the Fed and, of course, what's going on in Europe and, in particular, Ukraine. Tom, so glad to have you back. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. How are you? What's How you been? How are the Sabres this year? Well, I don't know. I refuse to believe any time before the All-Star break. That's been my motto for 10 years. <laughs> yes. And it's held up <laughs> yes. well. And as far as I'm concerned, the Gosted curse is still in effect. What is this? 2022. So it's... Eleven years now since they have not made the playoffs since they traded Paul Gosted. And let me tell you something: everyone, one of the best third line joke. centers
1: the game ever produced.
0: What twelve goals a year, ten to twelve? Yep. Won sixty eight percent of his face offs. Yep. He actually could win a fight. Yeah, <laughs> they've never replaced him. No, they ever
1: replaced the guy who was Mike Pekka with six inches and twenty pounds on his frame.
0: Right, right.
1: And but, but, you know, Pekka was good for twenty goals a year, but so what.
0: Yeah, no, I know. But I mean, and th- this is back in the days when the Sabres were running four lines. He was the fourth line center.
1: Yeah. Best fourth and line he center still in gave
0: you more goals than half their forwards. Yeah. And he did all that other stuff. And he played defense yeah. and he played against the top line. I mean, yeah. so what can I say? That's my theory. Yeah, no.
1: And obviously a great guy in the room and everything else and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, know, like a natural born leader should have been captain of the team. They should have never traded him. They could have signed him to a 10 year, $2 million a year contract. he would have been the happiest. He had been the happiest fourth line center in the history of the game.
0: Yep. The 2010s. But yeah, meantime.
1: well, they were fun. That's when I so, followed them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into the nobody wants to hear us talk. About, I mean, literally, guys, I haven't watched a hockey game in four years. And I think the last time I watched a hockey game was like, I was like, oh, look, they still don't know how to call like they still don't know how to call the game. The referees still don't know how to call the game, and half the guys don't know how to back check. Okay, well that's you know that's <laughs> like okay. So that's the NHL today. Okay, so there's holding and grabbing because the guys can't back check, and all right, and they're still playing neutral on traps. Oh, the game hasn't changed at all. Got it. But, but now it's overwhelmingly white, and uncomfortably overwhelmingly white. That's because Canada is overwhelmingly white, and black people don't play. Hard.
0: Yeah. Well, I, there's a comedian out there, a black comedian. I can't remember his name. And he said, mm-hmm. look, we don't like the cold. As soon as we figure out how to play hockey in 80 degree weather, we're taking that over, too. I can't remember <laughs> which comedian it was.
1: I mean, I not <laughs> to say that there aren't great. There haven't been really strong black hockey players over the years, including one of my favorite players, Joel Ward. Like when he used to play for Nashville, like that guy, him and Paul Gostad, like when Gostad went to Nashville and they like. I think because they traded, they might have traded Ward to somebody else and then they got Gostad and I don't know, something like that. But I'm like, you put those two guys on like the same line together, forget it. Like that's your ultimate shutdown line. There's two of the just great hard-nosed, you know, the, as they say, and great lunch bucket
0: guys, right? Yeah. Well, I'm coming down there. I know you won't come here anytime before July. So one of these days I'm coming down, we're going to talk. Boyc-
1: <laughs> I've actively boycotted New York state since I think the 1990s. I've been there once. I've been there literally once since the 1990s.
0: If we smuggle you into Niagara County, you'll like Niagara County. I'm um, sure I it's, will. It's a, other than the weather right now, it's a little like Florida. But And the last thing I'll say about Buffalo sports is if the Bills make the Super Bowl and if they're up 49 to nothing at halftime, I'll still be worried. Yeah, you should. Because <laughs> something will happen. Something bad. Well, I'd write. I, I was a
1: giant <laughs> fan at the time. I sat there and I watched it. I'm like. And now later on, understanding the psychology of the Buffalo of the City of Buffalo and all of that, when I became a Sabres fan after that, I actually felt really bad about winning that Super Bowl because we had no business winning it.
0: Yeah. Well, you had the best coach. That's a big part of it. But Levy so. was an excellent coach. Like there's no doubt
1: about it. But Parcells was in a different was in a different class than almost every everybody else working at the time, other than maybe Bill Walsh.
0: Yeah. Well, Levy went up against the three best of that generation. He went up against O uh, Gibbs. Mm -hmm. parcells and johnson so Mm -hmm. i think that was the difference other than the first one against dallas i think they were just overmatched in that game yeah but the other three it was just a question of good coach versus all-time great coach in my opinion
1: yeah it's seriously like parcells changed the game bill walsh changed the game you know in in different ways in completely different ways completely opposite
0: ways of each other so you know Anyway, I guess they're paying us to talk about politics.
1: They are, but you know, dude, like people don't realize that there's this other side of us. And I know the whole, you know, Tom Luongo, like, you know, I know like all my fans are like, dude, stop talking about sports ball. Who gives a <laughs> fuck? Like, yeah, like this stuff's important. It's in there because it's in the psychology of everything. The psychology
0: of sports and psychology of geopolitics is not really that much different. So, yeah, human psychology, that's mm-hmm. what it is. So, I think the first thing I wanted to talk about, and there's lots of geopolitics going on, but is, the federal reserve, what they're up to. And I guess my one question is, are they really tightening and, or, and are they tightening in a much more subtle way than what people understand? And I'll just preface it by this. I think a lot of people still talk as if raising interest rates is done the old way, which is to buy securities from the, I'm sorry, to sell securities to the bank remove dollars. That's not how they do it anymore. I know you know that. I know probably most of both of our listeners know it because I've talked about it. But people still speak in on other things if it, as if that's still happening. So I want to just say this and then throw it to you. Number one, it's no longer the case that you're decreasing the money supply, the base money supply, just because you're raising rates because you're no longer removing base dollars by doing that. Not necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily. Good correction. Now just paying a higher rate on excess reserves. Now, this can keep them from a loan they may have made out there that would expand the money supply through the multiplier, but it doesn't remove those dollars. So the other thing that you started screaming about in 2021 and I ignored until I couldn't anymore for some reason was the reverse repo market. Now they've got about two trillion tied up there. But they printed 5.3 trillion. So you've got that 2.2 trillion tied up in reverse repo. You've got the other three point something that still got printed and still is a lot. And that's not being tightened at all right now by raising interest rates. So let me throw all that to you and take it wherever you want to.
1: Well, M two money growth has turned negative. Uh, Daniel DiMartino Booth has has made this point many times. It's not decreasing rapidly, but it's decreasing. So, so there's that. Also, remember that a lot of the Fed's tightening will come in the form of rolling Treasuries off their balance sheet as well as actively selling them. But it could be hard to sell, you know, a ten year on their balance sheet at four percent when inflation is running nine percent. Like, who are you going to sell that to at that price? It's a bidless market, right? When you start th- talking about the price that they're asking for that treasury at 4.1%, which is where we are this morning, versus inflation, are, bond, are good bond guys going to buy that? No, they're not. People who need to keep the dollar under control and sell dollars into the market to buy USDs, US treasuries, well, they're buying them at that price. And you know who they are? City of London, Euroclear, blah, 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 blah. That's what, if you look at the TIC report, you'll see that. So there's part of that what's going on there in terms of QT. The, the reverse repo thing facility is a whole bunch of dollars that have been sucked out of the market. And treasuries were pushed onto bank balance sheets in order to offset tremendous savings last year right? The savings rate in the United States ballooned to 33% when the Biden administration printed all this money, put that money into people's bank accounts, and the banks couldn't make loans to have as assets to deal with, to offset the liabilities of people's savings. Because that's how bank balance sheets work. People put money into their savings accounts, the banks then lend that money out, keep the loan as the asset, right? To a bank, and a loan is an asset. To you, a loan is a a liability. Right, savings to you is an asset, but to a bank, savings is a liability. Right, is a liability. So it's, their balance sheets is completely backwards in that respect, and that's always been that case. This is the this is the, like kind of the commercial the definition of commercial banking, right? in terms of their accounting. Now, so that's what drove a lot of that last year. What we're seeing today, and certainly as long as the Fed is paying interest on excess reserves, right, then that money that's been printed isn't going to circulate. This is no different than it's been going on since two thousand nine. That's why. Good Austrian economist in 2009, of which I was not one in 2009, by the way, because I was like, "Oh my God, inflation!" And then Gary North, like great Gary North, you know, word rest his soul, reminded everybody that no, like, as long as Bernanke is paying 25 basis points over the Fed funds rate, there's that money's not going to circulate, and Bernanke knows this, which is exactly what happened and the excess in excess reserves ballooned. the banks were getting paid 25 basis points or as much as 50 basis points at times over the fed funds rate to recapitalize their balance sheet over time that's and by sucking the money out of the productive markets into the bank balance sheets how that worked that's what Bernanke did he just won a nobel prize in economics for you know stealing people's money
0: yeah let me say that i we... A lot of Austrians, Bob Murphy, I think, spent years trying to figure out why wasn't there monetary inflation. And I think he came to a very similar conclusion. It's not quite that simple, but
1: in 2009, Bob was still a graduate student of it and his thesis is interest rate theory. Okay. And I remember, I I think he was still a graduate student at the time. I don't, I I, I love Bob Murphy. He's a very smart guy. I learned a lot from him over the years. I don't actively follow him anymore, but you know, I own a book or two of his. I mean, certainly. But that one article, by Gary North, at the outset of qE one, so that would be early two thousand nine, he just laid it all out. he's like, and he said, "Bad Austrian economists are going to get this wrong Wow and they did, and they did, and then for fifty for fourteen years, people would even you know, when I first went to work at Newsmax and everything else, and we would sit there And I, I remember going to i had, we did two Investor conferences at, at when I was at Newsmax early on. One was in New York, which is the last time I've been inside the state of New York since the 1990s, which I've been actively boycotting ever since. And um, then we had another one in Miami. And every time I'd be sitting either on the panel or in the audience listening to the commentary, and I just was sitting there. I was sitting there with a friend of mine who came to the conference, and and we're listening to this inflation to deflation. Right, I just took a cocktail nap. while well, they're all talking, and all these words are happening. And I just wrote four little wore little letters on a cocktail napkin, I-O-E-R, and then passed it to her and said, look, this is what's going on. Nothing new. I understood it then in 2014. I was like, it's not tough. Because once you understand that the money's not going to circulate because the Fed, because the banks don't want to lend the money because they can't get better, they can't get a guarantee good 25 basis points on a lot of that money. That's why they didn't lend it. And remember, during the, it's like, Remember Congress like screaming, the feds created all this money, but the banks won't lend to the people and we can't get any growth. Well, they can't get any growth because you keep putting roadblocks in the way of businesses, you know, making investments that will return a positive yield, Elizabeth Warren. Like, this is not hard. Like, I'm sorry. So you're just a commie and you're just a shitbag and shut up, Lizzie. Seriously, like, please go back to just this- I wish you would stop larping as a Democrat. Because you're really a Republican. Like, I really, really wish you would stop LARPing at somebody who actually knows anything or actually somebody with something higher than a room temperature IQ. It would be nice. So I, I just don't. And none of this stuff to me is, uh, is opaque, right? But understand today that the problem we have today in trying to, what the Fed is trying to do, when I've talked about ad nauseum, is that today the problem isn't domestic-based dollars it's foreign or offshore base dollars. And that's what the Fed drained last year with the five basis points of the reverse repo rate. So think of the re- reverse repo rate as yet another form of sterilized sterilizing QE, the same way that interest on excess reserves sterilized the QE from 2009. The raising the reverse repo rate by five basis points over the Fed funds rate, we wound up with the same kind of scenario. They were about, the Treasury had $1.7 trillion that they were about to spend into the economy and the Fed soaked it all up. Okay. And more. And, but some of it le- leaked into the economy and we got inflation, which we all expected. So we had cost push inflation along with monetary inflation and we got an explosion of inflation very quickly.
0: So why does the reverse repo market? Him raising the rate there and making it attractive for people to lend the Fed money and get a treasury. Why does that particularly target Euro? Sure,
1: because that money is not available. Those dollars are now sucked up into the reverse repo facility and are sitting there and they're not available. And the US banks are refusing. They're not lending those dollars to European banks that need them. So that's base money that's not circulating around the world. It should be. The Fed soaked it all up. Like that's just that simple. And you know, and our trade, and then on top of that, you know, you have lowered overall trade. The shape of trade changed into base commodities. More of that money went there into oil, gas, food, this, that, all the all these things that Europe doesn't produce, but Russia produces. China produces. So the Europeans have been running a massive trade deficit. For years, the Europeans were a net trade, were always a trade, trade positive, right? Trade They would always, you know, balance of trade was positive. Had an interview with Peter Bukvar on my podcast beginning of the year, and I brought some of these things up, and he just, you know, flat out denied me. Said, nah, I don't think the Fed wakes up in the morning at all. And he was like, damn, about the DCB and about the euro. Doesn't care at all. Like, oh, look, well, standard Austrian view of standard unthinking Austrian view of the world. I don't care. At this point, we're on the verge of world war. I throw everybody who's a moron under the bus. That's just that simple. If you're not willing to update your mental map, if you want to be arrogant in the face of what's going on out there, fine, great. Be wrong. We're going to, do, I'll destroy your, I'll make sure I destroy your credibility with the audience because the stakes are too high. We're dealing with the verge of technocratic communism and World War III. I don't care about you. I don't need to be nice to people anymore. Okay, but he was very. It was a very tense conversation, and he was wrong, flat out wrong. But so what? You know, guys have been wrong before. But I'm gonna gonna you know, press them on it. It's like you're pressing me now on on the limits of how all this stuff interacts. Don't get me wrong, guys. I like I know all of this stuff, right? But I know just enough of it to go. Oh well, this is the way the dollars are flowing. Remember, the Fed has a foreign. They opened up a foreign repo facility. So. Right after about a month after they raised the reverse repo rate. So now they have the ability to, they can repo European stuff, European sovereign debt. But it was only for treasuries. They didn't open it up for European sovereign debt. But if you needed dollars, you could bring treasuries back to the Fed, not European sovereign debt. So, same as what we had in the United States, which is you had your American banks refusing to lend, refusing to use, uh, to lend credit to. Repo to European banks that needed dollars. That's what started the, that's what mostly caused the SOFR blowout and the repo crisis of 2019. That's where, you know, that's where all of this is. The Fed was forced, Tom, to to print all that money in 2020, 2021. And that was forced on them by Congress and the CARES Act. They didn't have any control over that. There was no
0: appetite for that debt overseas, not at those prices. So the Fed had to monitor these questions occur to me, and I'm hoping that because they occur to me, other people are wondering too. Because we're really getting to some minutiae here. But they're just to summarize the first part of what you said: the Tread prints 5.9 or whatever it was trillion dollars. They tie up two trillion, 2.2. It got as high as 2.4, I think, and then now it's down to 2.2 again. In this reverse repo market, and what's left over is That's the money that would be left over, over and above what they may lend domestically. And that's the part that is not flowing to Europe in loans.
1: Yeah. So it's not flowing to Europe via a trade, by a positive trade balance anymore. Right. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that. And the European trade deficit just printed this worst number in history. And it turned negative at the beginning of the year.
0: Now, I haven't done the math on this.
1: I mean, I'm not, I, don't, I haven't done the math on it either, Tom, but just to understand that Like the whole system is being drained of its vitality. There's no positive gearing to go on. And the other problem is the leverage. It's not just the base dollars. It's the leverage based on the base dollars. Like the entire euro dollar system is leveraged to the because that's how they do it. The European banks take those dollars and they lend them out at leverage. This is what blew up the UK pension system last week. Now, do I believe that that was an operation to get rid of list trust for a variety of other geopolitical reasons? Yes, but in basic, you know, but, you know, and now we've got BlackRock basically in charge of the free and UK treasury. Not surprised, but the reality is that all of this is leveraged. And so remember that what leverage giveth on the way up takes away twice as fast on the way down as your balance sheet degrades. So you can make money if you're leveraged eight to one, you can be making money, great money, great return on the way up. But, you know, at 8 to 1, it takes, what, a 12% move against you to wipe you out? 18% move against you to, wipe, to literally wipe you out. But, you know, once you're up a certain level, like, you know, at 8 to 1, you're not making, that, you're, making 10, you're making 9% on the way up, but you can be wiped out with a 12% move against you.
0: Let's take a short break for this important message. Let me ask you something. What if there was someone out there who kept a log of every single thing you did every minute of the day. That would probably creep you out. Well, that's exactly what happens every time you go online. Your internet provider stores logs of every website you've ever visited and can legally sell this data to anyone. Worse yet, the government can obtain your data via bulk FISA order, even if you're not personally suspected of any crime. That's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see or log what you do online. Visit expressvpn.com/mullen right now and find out how you can get 3 months for free. That's expressvpn.com/mullen. Protect your data and get 3 months for free today. Right. And I think that's somewhat an explanation. So the euro dollars, however many there are, are not counted in indexes like M two. So you could see M two not going down a lot, but still this tightening happening all overseas. Yeah. The li- the liabilities that those
1: that M two number represents or that M zero number represents, whatever that would be. Remember, an energy trade, as far as I'm concerned, is the M zero of global trade. Right. In monetary terms, you just think of it as like the energy trade is M zero. And the energy trade has more than doubled for a lot of for everybody except us. It's almost doubled for us off the It's certainly, you know, it's up 25% pre-Corona apocalypse. Right. Oil was trading in the 70s, now it's trading in the nineties. It's up 20 percent for us in dollar terms. Everybody else's currencies have been whacked twenty five to thirty percent. So they practically doubled. Right. So, um, and certainly when it was $125 a barrel, everybody was screaming. And so the, it's the leverage that matters here. Like you take a, you take leverage bets against the stock market or against the UK gilt market or against the you know Italian BTP market or whatever at these nosebleed prices, negative, you know nominally negative on the Italian ten year. Okay, like is there a more ridiculous? Like people think that crypto is a Ponzi scheme. Like, I'm sorry, but I've met NFT generating shit coins that are, have you know more capital behind them because they actually hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet somewhere than the Italian BTP market with a 10-year trading at 0%. Like, what are you talking about in terms of the price? I mean, who buys that shit? Well, people who know that they have a piggy bank that they can lever up on, right? And the source of so much of the power that exists, the power structure within Europe exists based on the levering up of these dollars, these offshore dollars, that transact in the money markets at LIBOR, at the one-month, three-month LIBOR, six-month LIBOR, U.S. dollar LIBOR. Well, we don't index our debt to LIBOR anymore, as you and I have talked about. We index it to SOFR, which is a domestic secured overnight funding rate. It's got futures market, it's got liquidity now, all new US debt has to be indexed to SOFR, none of it can be indexed to LIBOR, LIBOR's liquidity is drying up, and LIBOR is now at the whim of the Federal Reserve. It always has been, but at some point, whenever Europe starts to break, because LIBOR then would start to blow out to the upside, the yields would start to blow out, the demand for money would go through the roof, that would then have to be translated to all adjustable rate interest rate debt in the United States, regardless of the quality of the balance sheets of the banks that are holding that debt, which is an independent variable relative to liability. I mean, I could like my credit union could have a great Texas ratio. And yet, right, with you know high with no non performing loans on their balance sheet, with you know, a beautiful clean bank balance sheet, brilliant Texas ratio of the performing to non performing loans, which is the Texas ratio. The lower that ratio goes, the more trouble your bank's in, by the way because it's performing versus non-performing loans, where non-performing loans as a value are the denominator. So you have a great Texas ratio. My, you know, maybe my credit union did or didn't, but it doesn't matter. If I have an adjustable rate HELOC and LIBOR blew out by 3% to the upside, my HELOC went up by 3%, even though the bank's balance sheet's fine. Why should we do that? That doesn't make any sense. Why do they do that? Well, they have to, because there's contracts written, I'm going to pay LIBOR plus. Now I'm going to pay SOFR plus or SOFR minus or whatever. It's different. So that if stress shows up in the European markets when there's no dollars, it doesn't necessarily translate to the US banking system like it has in every other financial crisis in the past. This is why I said to go up at the top of the show that the Fed has tools today to deal with this particular crisis, this particular situation, the, reverse re- the domestic reverse repo facility, the foreign repo facility. For US Treasuries. The Fed now has fine control over the flow of treasuries and the flow of dollars between offshore and onshore, like they've never had before. They have better tools and they have SOFR ba- and they have SOFR backing them up. And that's why they can do this. And then they can keep raising rates aggressively. And they're going to keep putting pressure on European banks and European central banks and- because they're the most vulnerable. And for years, we sat here with a weak dollar under Trump, which was just dumb. Which was against the market, was dumb. The US dollar should have been strengthening under Trump. Budget position in the United States was improving, blah, blah, blah. Everything was improving. The economy was actually structurally good. I'm not saying that all of Trump's policies were good, mind you, not. But relatively to everything else, no, the dollar should have been strengthening. Why wasn't it strengthening? Because Congress kept spending more money than kept blackmailing the Fed to print more dollars. So once it stopped, and then they kept, you know, they kept impeaching Trump and they kept doing this. They kept creating political unrest here in the United States while everybody was just very placid over in Europe and doing nothing. And markets respond to political uncertainty. Okay. Bond traders look at the relative stability of the political situation and factor that into what price they're willing to pay for a bond of that particular country. It's just that simple. Okay. And it continued the fiction. Uh, the obscene fiction. And that obscene fiction only just got corrected for Italy in the last six months, where Italian debt was trading at a premium in price and relatively speaking, lower yield than US debt of comparable maturity. The fuck? No, I hate to be salty or anything, but seriously, on what planet do you live on that this is correct? Other than ridiculous and ruinous European Central Bank policy, which pushed over 12, at one point, over $12 trillion worth of European debt below the zero bound at negative yields. So we had to run a strong, they had to run a weak dollar policy in order to keep the euro overly strong, in order to support overly strong euro bond prices, which is why JP Morgan in 2019 said, you know what? We're not taking any of this overpriced crap in repo it's all garbage. They all should be trading at 25 cents on the dollar. Yeah, we'll repo it at 25 cents on the dollar. No. And what they basically, what Diamond basically said was no. And he's the one that started this. But now today, you can't find an American bank that can do a repo that will be willing to do a repo with a European bank, other than maybe the ones that are, that are in cahoots with Europe to destroy the United States. And I have my list of who I think those banks are. But I have it on good authority, reading you know private posts from Martin Armstrong, who's in the know on this stuff, to know who is and who isn't. And for the most part, European American banks aren't doing business with European banks anymore. Is that a scenario where we're going to have a cross-border or a cross-ocean financial crisis when it starts in Europe and it's going to happen? It's going to translate over here. I don't think so. I think the Fed and the New York and the major New York banks have all properly insulated themselves, and the Fed has tons of liquidity on both, by, on both sides of the ledger—a stock of treasuries and a stock of cash—to get the banks whatever the hell they need. While Europe, when Europe finally lets go, when Europe, when Christine Lagarde runs out of running room, and guess what they did this morning—they already released trust. They kneecapped the UK. Now the UK Treasury and the Bank of England will be used as the piggy bank to raid to keep. The European market's liquid for another three months, six months, which is why now this morning I'm even more convinced the Fed's going to raise to six percent. At the terminal rate, it's not going to be five percent; it's going to be six. Why? Because they have to go that much higher to get to wipe those assets in that they have just stolen from the British people off the collective balance sheet in a
0: globalist coup against the against Brexit. I'm even more. I'm even more convinced of it now. So and and. What you call the new tools, that's the word they always use. So this move that Powell made in the reverse repo market, you know, all that money is only tied up for 24 hours to two weeks, right? So at any point, could it it could be released. So does this now become like a way of stealth tightening, like a further complex? Is this a permanent thing now? Like we're just going to use this now?
1: Yeah, this is, a per- this is now a permanent tool of U.S. monetary policy until we get everything
0: uncorked. And the other thing that runs through my mind is that although it's you know it's nominal, all the interest being paid is actually new money creation without a corresponding asset on the Fed's balance sheet. Remember, all these things, remember, all the interest is remitted back to the Treasury. Yeah.
1: Well, guess what? The Fed's losing money on its portfolio. Now they're going to have to go hat in hand to the Treasury and ask for money, which is what the really savvy commentators like Judy Shelton noted about six months ago that eventually the fed's going to start losing money on its balance sheet and then they're going to have to go to congress and there's not going to be any appetite in congress to pay the fed for their losses everybody loves this big balance sheet of the feds when you know they're making a profit right and they can remit money back to the treasury right 50 60 billion dollars a year they're probably going to have to go and ask the fed for 15 billion dollars at the end of the year well i guess biden's not going to be sending that in weapons to ukraine now is, does that mean that the fed has all the the tools here? No, obviously. Now you have to ask can the Fed and the New York banks put enough political pressure on Congress to not make a big deal out of this? That this is just that if you don't see this discussed in the media, then that is prima facie evidence that the New York banks have control over the new the news cycle. But everything I've seen, they have zero control over the news cycle. And this is going to be trumpeted to high heaven,
0: and you can expect Elizabeth Warren to go free an ape about this so last thing on this really and then i wanted to ask about italy and, and the uk but it here's another question about what Powell's doing with interest rates given all we've talked about how this reverse repo stealth tightening is working and how it, it's targeting europe and all of, and given where the 10-year is as far as the market rate for the 10-year is all this Fed interest rate raising just kind of for show? I mean, is it really doing anything? No, it's absolutely,
1: do- it's not for show. It is just not there to tame inflation. The Fed doesn't have the tools to tame this type of inflation. It's cost-push inflation, supply and demand mismatch. It's a, It's dislocations in the labor market, all created by you know, regulatory capture and UBI you know, expanded unemployment benefits effectively. You know all of that stuff, all that money that the that the Biden administration printed and the Trump administration printed, right? Like, or the Trump administration printed the Treasury raised and the Biden administration spent, right? The Fed's trying to bleed all that off, though. So it's not for show, dude. It's to
0: keep it's to keep inflation completely under control. No, I'm saying though that it's not though because it's not removing money. It's not higher than the market rate for the ten year yet. So what's it doing? It's the draining the overseas dollar markets. That's the primary
1: goal. The Fed funds rate. The Fed, the raising the Fed funds rate forces SOFR up, which forces LIBOR up because now LIBOR has to anticipate what the Fed funds rate's going to be. Like, otherwise, they, they this is the way this is all working. And you've destroyed the gearing of offshore dollars. And again. Once the gearing turns negative, in European terms, it's the gear officer. They use the word gearing, which is the same as leverage. We use leverage over here in the States. They use gearing in British banking and European banking speak. It's the Same thing. Turn the gear, crank it, you know, crank the gear ratio up, right, to get more money, to get more juice. So because they're still operating on
0: their artificial LIBOR rate.
1: It's not just that. It's that's how they that's how the European banks operate. Here in the United States, a lot of our corporate, a lot of our, when the bank, when a corporation like Apple or Microsoft or whomever wants to expand, remember, this is very important. This is the thing I didn't really understand early on until somebody reminded me of it which or or informed me of it, which is this. In the United States, we issue a lot of corporate paper. A lot of corporate bonds don't affect bank balance sheets, right? And corporations may borrow money to issue corporate debt because they can, get, you know, they can make money on the yield spread. But ultimately, they owe the loan, right? And they can always dilute the company and pay the loans back out of cash balances if it's covered. Certainly, a company like Apple does this. Apple only issues corporate debt because they need a credit rating. But we issue a lot of corporate debt here. If the corporate debt gets into trouble, the company if we have a recession or you know a downturn in that particular sector and the company gets into trouble, they can always just dilute the company, lower the stock price. To deal with the corporate debt, to pay it off, right? They can pay the creditor in shares of the company at a lower price. And the existing shareholders get crushed. The new shareholders get paid into the new price. The new shareholders, the old bondholders are made whole because they're given a number of shares equal to the new value times whatever it was that they were owed. Blah, 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 blah. In Europe, they don't issue corporate debt at the same rate that we do. They issue bank debt. When an Italian Automaker wants to go, wants to expand production. Not a particularly good idea in my book. But if they were, they go to Intesa San Paolo or UniCredit and they go get a loan. It's directly on the on their balance sheet. So that when that bad Italian car company, Fiat or whomever, it's not Fiat now. It's all under Stellantis, but can't pay the loan back because nobody's selling any cars. Now it's the bank's problem. But under the exact scenario I just laid out in the u s it's not the bank's problem, so we have a completely different market structure here, and now we have individual debt now we have you know consumer debt and everything else indexed to a different interest rate. so you know the Fed raises interest rates, drains the world of offshore dollars. what was asset prices that were only here because of leverage, they've just knocked out. M0, so like I said earlier, you remove M0 of the world in dollars by 1% or 2%, you destroy anywhere from 10 to 20% of M3, which has got to take valuations down by 20%. If they're all levered to the hill, that could easily wind up with you know people getting margin calls. If those margin calls are getting happening in pension systems, the fine benefit pension systems at 8%, because that's what they promised in a world where... The ECB's fund base rate is negative 0.6, then, you know, and all of the, and they've been able to pay out based on an overly aggressive and fictitious valuation and all of these negative yielding trillions of negative yielding European bonds at a euro that had no business ever trading at $1.22. And that all collapses by 25 and You can only get a 25 to 40% drop in the value of the bonds themselves, which is what's happened across many maturities all across Europe as Italian D- BTPs of 10 years have gone from like 1.7% to almost 5%. German 10 years have gone from negative 0.2% to 2.4%, right? And the euros dropped from $1.22 to 98 cents. That just, you know now these things were you know that were worth let's say with these were $1,000 bonds at the peak they were they had a valuation say $2,000 because they doubled in value and now they're trading at 600 now they're trading at like $600 or 600 euros and then the euro moves against you by 25 points the actual value which was originally $2,000 to the euro dollar investor he's still like staring at a $1,000 he's staring at a 75% easy I'm just making numbers up. I i don't know what the, I mean, I have to run the bond equation and whatnot. I don't need to, but I'm just making numbers up just to give you an idea of what happens here. Okay. The principle, right. That's this good. is the basic principle. These people are losing their ass left and right. And this is not sustainable, which is why Lagarde had to come out in Ju- July and say, we're going to protect internal credit spreads, meaning we're going to buy Italian debt and sell German debt in order to keep that credit spread between them stable. And if she wants to do that and wants to maintain German debt versus US debt of the same maturity at certain and within a certain range what has to get what has to get crushed the euro so now they're going to now they're going to play games with the UK gilt market and the pound to kind of prop up the euro because they've run out of ability to do continue doing this because if you look at the German Italian spread it's at the 10 year it's higher now than when she announced the TPI the transmission protection instrument I like to call it the toilet paper Initiative, <laughs> or the transmission protection instrument—I like to call it the toilet paper initiative—because it's going to turn the euro into toilet paper. Okay, and uh, you know that was trading at about two and a half, two point four five percent on July twenty-eighth. I talk about this with my patrons all the time, and the market reports—you know—twice a week. Now it's trading. Now that that same spread, it originally dropped. It initially dropped. Everybody, you know, front ran the ECB because they knew what they were going to do. Dropped it to 2.2. It all looked like it was working in mid-August when the market was trying to blackmail the Fed into not raising interest rates by 75 basis points in September. Oops. Then the Fed raised by 75 basis points in September, and that spread's been blowing out since then. And it actually hit a higher. It actually went as high as 2.6% last week, and that's correcting back. And this is doing the random walk thing, but it's clearly going higher. She's losing that war. She's losing the war against the German versus. U.S. debt. And she's losing the war on the euro. Every bit of it. The European markets are getting crushed. Like, absolutely and utterly crushed. I, I don't care. These people are all commies. And they're all evil. And they're all psychopaths. And they're trying to get us into a freaking world war with the Russians. And I don't care.
0: Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you're enjoying the content here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom... You can support my efforts here a couple of ways at tommullantalksfreedomcom slash support. You can join my Patreon for as little as $3 per month and get machine transcripts to every episode and access to my members-only MeWe group, while all access patrons also get my paid subscriber-only articles and videos. Or you can become a VIP patron to get all of that, plus access to all of my online courses and a signed copy of the Tom Mullen book of your choice. Now, if you prefer Substack, I also post my paid subscriber-only content there. Find links to all the ways you can support the show at tommullentalksfreedom.com slash support. That's com slash support. Become a supporter of Tom Mullen Talks Freedom today. And now let's get back to our episode. How could I think of my love? with a girl like you? A girl like you. With a girl like you. A girl like you. With a girl
1: like you. And the people who can't, and the market commentators who can't make this intuitive leap that I have. Okay, fine. Not everybody's me, but it's not like we haven't been speaking. It's not like other people than me haven't been making this point for years. I mean, do you think that I got all this stuff on my own? No. I listen to Martin Armstrong. I listen to this guy. I listen to that guy. I put it all together. I, you know, and I'm open to what people are trying to say. And all I see from so many people is just the same shit over and over again. I mean, I'm getting tired of watching Peter Schiff say, "Oh, just buy gold." Like, yeah, went twenty one hundred for my granddaughter. <laughs> Like, dude, I, you know, gold could drop to $1,400 and you don't think that that's not a significant event and you
0: shouldn't tell people why that
1: happened after you sold them gold at 2000.
0: Yeah. And I think what this ties into, and I know you always say the order of operations matters. And I think I would go another way of putting this for some people, I think all libertarians probably would agree with this statement anti-capitalism and i'm using capitalism to mean laissez-faire property rights voluntary exchange of between sovereign actors right so anti-capitalism is really the only problem standing in the way of you know no wars anymore i mean most wars are have anti-capitalist roots whatever but i guess where i'm going is No, we're not happy with the version of capitalism in the United States. We don't want the Fed in control of anything. But compared to everywhere else, just about everywhere else, other than some little islands of Liechtenstein or whatever, the U.S is far more capitalist and one of the reasons these people are going down is they're whatever you don't like about the United States, too much money printing relative to what we produce, they're doing more of it. You don't like the welfare state they got a bigger one and worse than that,
1: they're actually they've actually hijacked our, our policy for the purposes of trying to destroy it. because they're communists and they want to destroy the Constitution. They're communists, they want to destroy commercial banking. They're communists that's who they are. They've made it abundantly clear that's who they are. Communism is a European concept. It's a European concept. I hate to break it to the Europeans in the audience, but you people gave us this shit, just like Putin was complaining about when he launched the war against Ukraine in February. He said, look, I'm tired of it. Like, we don't want communism. We don't want wokeism. You guys gave this to us
0: and we suffered with it under the USSR for 85 to 75 years. And it really didn't even start with Karl Marx. It was the French. It was the it was Rousseau and all his awful ideological prodigy, including Marx, who went you know to an extreme. But I've always said the same thing: is that Marx did, it, it
1: didn't discover anything. All he did was give a name to that which has always existed, which is the unquenchable envy of people who don't have and want to take it from somebody else. That's what collectivism is. In all its forms. And it doesn't matter if it's fascism, or democratic socialism, or communism, or environmentalism, or this or thatism. No, fuck you. It's just collectivism. It's just literal, I want your shit because you have more than me and I'm angry. And if you won't give it to me, I'll burn it down. But remember, yeah. psychopaths are born, not raised. They exist within a society. And if you build... Power systems that allow them to express their psychopathy. Don't be surprised when the systems you built on their psychopathy that they are attracted to expand, while they run PR campaigns with your money to tell you why you're wrong. Hi, welcome to today's world. The whole world is run by psychopaths. Want to get who are trying to downplay the threat of nuclear war with the Russians? Yeah. I don't really care what you think about Sofer versus Libor, Jeff Snyder. I don't really care what you think about, you know, any of this stuff. This is what I care about. And I got news for you. The guys on Wall Street and at the Marinarchals building are clearly trying to stop that from happening. And as bad as they are, and they are bad people. But so what? Rothbard said what? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. If they're on our side to, to avert a freaking nuclear war or at least another freaking seven years of total war between now and the, the Agenda 2030 is finally like rolled out with, you know, minority report with just more Germans, like, like, I need this. Like, I need a hole in the head. Like, might as well just shoot myself now because I don't want to watch it. Like, but we have people who actually are clearly acting in their own best interest to stop this. We'll deal with them after they help us beat the bad guy, the real bad guys. They're gonna be the bad guys next. We don't have to like we don't have to be, we don't have to be, you know, we don't have to be purists about this. This is a typical libertarian purity spiral shit that I've been complaining about for years. It's libertarian wokism. That's what it is. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Think about it. It's exactly the same uh, intellectual process. It's no different than arguing with Randians for Christ's sake. Like I, it's the same thing. It's a purity spiral. It doesn't matter if it comes from the libertarians or the conservative neocons or the, you know, or the free and wokesters. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's all the same shit. Or the communists. It's all the same stuff. And it's a dangerous mindset to get into. Remain flexible, know what your goals are, and then make temporary alliances with those who at that moment in time share your goals. It's not hard. Geopolitics is not about. Ideology. Ask yourself who's acting ideologically in this, and you'll see the villains. Ask yourself who's acting in a pragmatic sense. Remember, this is Kissinger 101. Geopolitics has no ideology. It only has alliances. But if you listen to Ursula von der Leyen, if you listen to Joseph Burrell, if you listen to Stoltenberg, you listen to the most of the British cabinet, no matter what which one it is this week, okay? If you listen to the neocons, In DC, it's all you listen to, you know, all of them. They're all acting from an ideological bent. They're all acting from a play. They're all talking from a place of our ideology is better than theirs. Therefore, we have the moral right to make them submit, no
0: matter what the cost. Yeah. And from a bubble where there's no consequences, or at least there haven't been.
1: And there's no, and it's an echo chamber where bad ideas only continue because no new ideas can actually be
0: allowed to come in all right so look i'm glad we got in the weeds because this plugged some holes for me and i'm hoping that there's some listeners that had the same ones and i know you got to run so let me throw you one more three-parter that you can take as much time and anywhere you want to go because these are what are on my mind the geopolitical world number one is really in danger to be recaptured by Ukraine? Number two, why should we care about the election in Italy? And number three, what went on in the UK? The first one is really simple.
1: It's very possible that the Ukrainians retake Kherson. You really don't want that to happen. Because that leads to escalations that, you know, we can't symmetrically deal with. We're putting the final fetches on this month's newsletter. My partner, Dexter White, is working on all of this. Okay, that's what he's writing about today. We're gonna to have that out. this episode. we're doing this on the afternoon of the twentieth, and we're a couple of days late. But this issue was kind of worth it for that From that perspective, we'll have that out after I get this. I literally what I'm going to do after I get done with this is get prepped for sending out the newsletter. For that's my goal for the rest of the day, and we address that issue directly. Number two is Italy. Italy is a very complicated thing, and it's already and what you're what you've already seen in number three, the UK which was a decapitation and a globalist coup by the Bank of England, by the Tory remainers, by the civil service and by the EU to destroy Liz Truss. Not the saying that I had any love for Liz Truss because she was a moron. But it was clear that she was backed by non-European forces. And this was the final betrayal of Brexit. Whoever is installed in 10 Downing Street will destroy Brexit. From a regulatory perspective, because the House of Lords is still—I think—they're still holding up the Northern Ireland—the bill to pull the UK out of the Northern Ireland Protocol, which is why this had to happen now. I think Charles is fully in charge of the the finances of the Exchequer because there's who else is, controls more wealth than the Bank of than the British Crown, Vatican. I mean, seriously, let's talk about this, All right? What's gonna? So what you just saw, economic hitman style, on the run on UK gilts, and then the blackmail from BlackRock and everybody else—that all happened in you know behind the scenes over the over the British pension system. You're seeing a similar style blackmail going to get targeted at Italy and Georgia Maloney and the incoming center right. Maloney, her heart's in the right place, but I don't know that she's smart enough to realize, like Truss, to realize the forces that are arrayed right against her. She might. Early returns though aren't. Don't look good, and I want you to—the leak of the hot mic stuff with Silvio Berlusconi about how he's not that, how the Ukraine policy is dumb, and we need to stop—you know—we need to stop this support of Ukraine was meant to try and drive that coalition apart before it even forms. I don't know what Maloney is going to do. I believe the other day I wrote for in a private post for the patrons, which you would know about because I know you're a patron, is that. Maloney should actually slow, his, slow her role in going after the EU and just let the market forces force the EU and the ECB on their back foot and let Powell and the Fed take the lead here and just continue to strangle Europe and Putin strangle Europe on energy. But I don't know that she's that savvy. And I don't know that's what's going on. The I'd like to believe that. But I have it on, you know, I have it from people who are in Italy and That they don't have a lot of faith in that interpretation. So let's hope that it works out. But I'm not sanguine. I know that they're playing for keeps, they're playing hard, they're pushing. But I also think that all of these moves are complete desperation and that the Fed has them all by the short and curlies, including the Democrats here in the United States, including the Eurocrats all across the old banking system. In Europe, and they're not going to depose Putin, they may humiliate him a little bit, they may force him into an escalation that will be asymmetric that we can't symmetrically respond to without going you know Defcon one and full you know watchmen without Dr. Manhattan, right? Like that's where we are. That's where we would be. Are the crazies in the White House and the National Security Council willing to do that again, Psychopaths are born,
0: not made. Yeah, the reason, and I think where this ties together, is that it would be good if the European Union broke apart, and those were both stress points with trust, and I keep forgetting the Italian woman's name. Maloney. 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 But much like Trump being no libertarian, but being anti-establishment, the establishment is strong, and it's not, you're going to luck who you want. If we decide we're going to override the election, we'll find a way to do it.
1: Seriously, I, people keep asking me all the time, why is Scott Schwab still breathing? I'm like, I don't know. Because he's just the PR man for even worse people. But now, hey, oh, by the way, the last you know, reasonable monarch, in Brit- maybe the only reasonable bro- monarch in British history, just died. Because this was a woman. Elizabeth, remember, Elizabeth II was, like the British Crown is file organization. But Liz was shaped by the horror of London being bombed, unlike every other British king or queen of the last couple hundred years, right? I mean, she fed shells to artillerymen on the front lines of the Battle of Britain. Like, that's what she did as a teenager. That's her imprinting. And, you know, when she saw the opportunity to get Britain out from underneath the yoke of Basically, the evil freaking Germans. Even though she's yeah nominally related to them, and blah 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 blah. Like, no, she ran with it. That's why they didn't want Trump to visit with her. Do you remember that crap about Trump going to visit the Queen and how it's absolutely beyond the pale that this boorish ass should have any have access to the Queen? Do you remember that nonsense? You know why they didn't want them speaking? Because they were coordinating policy. They're going to take all these fuckers down. So they had to destroy Trump by you know through other means. They had to steal the election. They had to give him had to put him behind the eight ball with covid. Covid was I'm firmly convinced covid was a direct assault against Donald Trump to get him out of office and to force the Federal Reserve to loosen monetary policy. One more time, and then they were gonna. And then the coup was gonna be complete. They were gonna put in Biden. They were gonna create a Democrat con- Congress with Biden. They were gonna pass bill back better. They were gonna tie the feds' hands. They were gonna destroy what was left of the U.S. fiscal position. They were then gonna get rid of Powell, put in Lail Brainerd, bring out full MMT, bring out UBI, and have the United States lose all confidence of the capital markets. Meanwhile, allowing the neocons to go freaking crazy with free money to go antagonize the Russians and the Chinese and start a world war, a two-front war which we couldn't fight and we were going to lose. And the net result would be either a civil war here in the United States to stop all this nonsense, or we get humiliated on the open battlefield. Either way, our capital markets are destroyed. Either way, whose capital markets then look like the least dirty shirt in the laundry? Europe's. Remember, we printed $6.5 trillion under the CARES Act. Eventually, the next year, again, I'll give Peter Bukovar credit for this, because this is why he was bearish on the dollar. The Europeans only printed $650 billion. That was the plan. They were to print another $6.5 trillion through the CARES Act, and they lied to us, not the CARES Act, the Build Back Better bill. They were lied to us that it was revenue neutral. Then the OMB report comes out, and it's $6.5 trillion of spending, most of it in the first three years, all front-loaded. How is the Fed going to monetize that? You can't see the fucking plan. Like, this is my problem. I can think like these people. It doesn't mean no credit. It makes me, I don't sleep well at night.
0: (laughs) You know? Yeah, you work too hard, Tom. Yeah, I feel bad because I see you going on Sunday morning. And anyway, but look, I don't want to keep you any longer. The one other thing I'd like to add, this is just my own thought from looking at a map, and I encourage everyone to look at a map of, of Ukraine, is that if Ukraine retakes Kherson? now Kherson is on the... They'll never take Crimea. That's as far as they'll go. They'll
1: never take Crimea. The Russians would have to be purposefully incompetent to not have put enough anti-artillery to wipe the Ukrainians out. If the Ukrainians take Kherson, that's as far as they go. And they've got six weeks to do it. And they've got three weeks to do it. Because then the rains come, and then the whole place turns into a mud pit. But if they go one step further, you saw what the Russians' response was to them blowing the kerch Bridge. 50% of the Ukrainian power grid is gone. You don't think the Russians won't respond with sub-kiloton nukes on the Ukrainian battlefield and start taking out thousands and thousands of troops if they must one more hair on Crimea's head? Don't even think about it. Take it out of your head. Not happening, that is That is literally the path to thermonuclear war.
0: Within six months, you better stock up on cigars and whiskey. And this is what's on my mind. And for the benefit of the listeners, what I was going to say is the city of Kherson actually lies on the northwest side of the Niper River. If they were to retake that, on the other side of that river, it's straight land running to Crimea. And that's what worries me. I mean, now the Russians could retreat and say, you don't cross the river. But if they were to cross the river, if they were to cross the river, that's when the
1: Russians literally nuke the entire Ukrainian army. Right. And then that's bad for the whole world. At that point, the British will have to admit that they're the ones running the intelligence and all their SAS were blown up. The British are trying desperately to get us involved, to, to get the Russians to overreact so that they can have their just war. These people are evil. And insane. British aristocracy and the British, the British. Aristocracy. The people who set the set the freedom policy for the country are fundamentally evil in a way that we cannot fathom as decent human beings with consciences. Get that out of your head. They don't have a conscience. Victoria Newland doesn't have a conscience. John McCain didn't have a conscience. Boris Johnson doesn't have a conscience. Charles III doesn't have a conscience. Kosh Schwab doesn't have a conscience. George Soros, no conscience. AOC, no conscience. These people are psychopaths. Now start acting like they're psychopaths and start making excuses that, oh, they would never do that. Bullshit. They will. They will and they have. The minute you start thinking like that's when we can actually affect political change in a way that will actually get rid of them. But until we get there, if we keep, like, if we keep applying our moral filter onto their potential action
0: we will continue to lose to. Well, let's leave it there, Tom. I want to thank you again for carving out another 30 minutes. Uh, well, an hour actually. <laughs> but <yeah>. With me. <laughs> I know. I really appreciate all the stuff in the weeds on monetary policy because I think it's important. And I hope everyone can see from this conversation how much it ties into everything and how much it's a part of everything they care about going on in the world. And I will link to Gold Goats and Guns and to your Patreon. I encourage everybody to join. You'll get so much for your money that there's deflation going on in Tom Luongo world. His price per value is going down. So thanks again, Tom. It's great talking to you. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity as always. I hope you have a great weekend. All right, friends, that's going to do it for today. Just a few reminders to stop by TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash support and check out all the ways that you can support my efforts here, including joining my Patreon or my Substack. And if you haven't already, make sure that you go to itsthefedstupid.com com to download a copy of my free ebook. It's the Fed Stupid. And as always, if you like the music you've heard here on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at Tom dot Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.